0: Thanks for checking out the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. I'm Rick Sam Pryn. You will hear from a woman whose elderly mother has been greatly impacted by the COVID-19 pandemic. Hamilton is coming together again to raise money for Ukraine. Mike Schreiner says his Green Party is more than just improving the environment. Why is no one talking about education on the campaign trail? And the abortion debate has spilled onto this side of the border. The GMH podcast starts now.
1: This is the Good Morning Hamilton podcast on 900 CHML.
0: Future of Work series is launching. Uh, this is day four in our week long series, and today we're focusing on the healthcare sector. It has been front and center, of course, it has, during the COVID 19 pandemic. And as we know, uh, workplaces in this industry have been dramatically impacted by the novel coronavirus. From burnout to retention to attracting new employees, uh, everything in between has been absolutely magnified. Diana Tikas is a resilience integration specialist with the program for ethics and care ecologies at Hamilton Health Sciences and joins us now. Diana, good morning. How are you?
2: I am well. Thank you. Very glad to be
0: here. How are you and other healthcare heroes holding up these days?
2: Well, uh, I guess there's, there's an awful lot to say here. It's been certainly very challenging as you've are already identified some of the highlights and so I'll, I'll elaborate a little bit by saying, I think uh, many in healthcare already came into the pandemic quite exhausted uh, due to the conditions of burnout, which essentially means um, you know, too much to do, not enough time to do it in. But also I think um, something that's, that's important to recognize in healthcare is we do what I call is trauma exposed work. Meaning the nature of our work is that on a daily basis, we are touching um, suffering and loss as we try to uh, help others. And so I think during this pandemic, um, each wave has has been quite different and has impacted the staff differently as well as cumulatively. And so I think at the beginning, there was a lot of fear and uncertainty about the nature of COVID itself. Was there gonna be, uh, you know, what was the right PPE? Was there gonna be enough PPE? And at the beginning, it, there wasn't. There was lots of worries uh, by staff uh, in regards to, am I gonna my, infect my loved ones? And I'll say that in those days, the numbers were relatively low in com- and community Support was quite high. Those were the days of, you know, the the clapping of the pans and and um, and signs honoring uh, healthcare workers, as well as you know, lots of donations with food and little tokens of of appreciation. And that was helpful, but it also, you know, there was this real kind of um, hero expectation, which is which is really also hard for healthcare staff to to live up to. And then as we went into more waves of the pandemic, what happened is that we started to see more deaths than we've ever seen before, which is really hard on on staff. We had to deal with um, policies to try that were, were there to try to limit infection, spread of infection. So, for example, limiting visitor policies, which causes huge distress for staff because they want to provide care. Um, they want to be there for patients. They want families to be there for patients. And, and this wasn't possible. And then, of course, redeployment started to happen because we started to see lots of um, shortages in, in uh, long-term care, in the ICUs, there was just such magnitude of, of need. And at that same time, the public started to, um, there started to be a shift, especially as the vaccine uh, debate started to surface. And then all of a sudden, you know, healthcare and hospitals were, were the target of, of protests. And I'll just finish this by saying, you know, right now I think we are, um, you know, as the wor- rest of the world is moving forward, healthcare um, workers are still very much in the trenches, and I think the challenges now are greater than ever. The length of the pandemic has has brought exhaustion levels to an all time high. Um, healthcare workers haven't had time to recover in between waves, and as you said at the at the outset, we're starting to see retention um, and recruitment issues. Meaning, many are leaving in droves because they're just feeling done. And they don't, you know, they don't feel like there's that things are going to change anytime soon.
0: Let me jump in because we're running out of time. But I do want to yeah. ask this, and, it, and it's in relation to that. We heard earlier this week that there are hundreds of job openings at Hamilton hospitals. As we know, many healthcare workers have gotten sick. Others are completely burned out. Some have left the industry. This is obviously a massive problem. Are there enough new physicians, nurses, other healthcare professionals in the pipeline?
2: Well, I I worry about this very thing because um, because I think what what's happening is that that many are 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 just are hearing what has happened, and so it's not necessarily the current conditions are not very necessarily appealing to attract new folks and so i really do think we need to be looking at how do we make some systemic changes so that we are um we are supporting staff we're really understanding the nature of the impact of of doing uh, um or working in the healthcare field uh and and creating supports and uh, within the flow of work, and not expecting. I think historically, what we have done is we've ha- we've we've tried to support staff with what we call um, self care strategies, resilience strategies. And I'm going to say right now, um, those in healthcare are 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 pretty angry about about it because because you know it's not that healthcare staff are are not resilient they are inherently resilient but the sheer volume and magnitude of of the work and of the suffering they've been ex- exposed to has really lowered their capacity and so we we really need to look at resilience and and supports as a we activity versus expecting to, uh, you are giving or offering individual solutions to what are very much systemic issues.
0: Diana, I really appreciate your time today with the healthcare heroes such as yourself. We'll get to that better place. It might take a little bit longer than we want to, but I really appreciate your time this morning.
2: Thank you so much.
0: Dinah Takaz is a resilience integration specialist in the Program for Ethics and Care Ecologies at Hamilton Health
1: Sciences. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML.
0: We're continuing our Future of Work series. Today's focus is on health care and the impact that it has had on millions of Canadians from coast to coast to coast. Joining us now is Kathy, whose mom has been, well, in a bit of a bind throughout the pandemic. Kathy, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm good, thank you. So your mom has been waiting and waiting and waiting for a particular surgery. Tell us about your mother's story.
3: Um, well, uh, she's been waiting over two years. Uh, she had knee surgeries done before, um, but one has, needs to be redone. And, you know, typical, you know, by the time you even get in to see a doctor. And then scheduled, and then, of course... It's been canceled like four times.
0: Ouch. How old is your mom and what's her name? Uh, her name is Joan and she's 86. So how is she coping? What's been the impact on her day-to-day activities?
3: Um, she, she can barely do nothing. She can't stand at the, at the counter and do dishes. Um, she, her knees are very weak. Um, She can walk maybe 10 feet and she has to sit down. Um, It's swollen all the time. Um, She can't do anything. She can't go get her groceries. She can't go to the bank because of the stairs. She can't do stairs. So it's impacted her whole everyday living.
0: You mentioned that this uh, procedure has been scheduled and canceled or postponed and rescheduled four times. Mm-hmm. With that, there's always some, some exhaustion, some exasperation, some mental anguish. How is she doing with that?
3: Um, I, I think it's pretty much even between her pain and her mental Like, it's not that she, like anybody, not looking forward to having surgery, um, and this particular one on hers is going to be a little bit more extensive than the normal, as they say, and knee surgery, Um, but she just feels, like, out of touch. Um, She just sits there in a chair most of the time because she can't walk. She can't go see any of her friends to have a coffee because she just can't. Walk, and I think it's taken a toll on her mental. Because every time um, I, I live with them, um, with my dad also to help them out, he's up there in age as well. So, you know, and being a woman, she wants you know do stuff in the kitchen. She wants to make her own bed, do laundry, you know, your, your everyday stuff. And every time she goes to do it, it's like, no, mum, we'll do it, we'll do it. And I think eventually that toll on. It's like, okay, so what? I just sit here like a bump on the log and do nothing.
0: And it's impacting other family members, as you mentioned.
3: Um, it's not so much. Well, my dad is there, and I am there. And it's not a whole lot of impact. Like, you know, I grew up as, you know, you help your parents no matter what. But, yeah, it's just like when I first moved there in July because of them getting older and they needed help, you know, my mom and I would go out every other day, even, you know, a little bit of shopping just for a drive. Not, not not to do that. And she just, it, it, it takes such a toll for her to get down the little bit of stairs that she has to go and in, into a car that, and she can walk around the grocery store. Lots of times we just go for groceries, pick up a few things. She can do that. Uh, if she goes, she literally sits in the car.
0: Wow, we're chatting with uh, Kathy here on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. You're listening to our Future of Work series. Today we're focused on the healthcare industry and how the pandemic has uh, really turned uh, an industry that has been struggling for years and has really shown some pretty huge black marks, one of which is the rescheduling of millions of procedures and surgeries, including uh, Kathy's mom who needs a knee surgery again. Have you received any date on when the next surgery is going to be held? Uh, No, no
3: not right at the moment um we're hoping to hear something uh next week um and hopefully in the next couple months like just have something otherwise she's going to sit in the house you know it's been hard enough sitting in the house during the pandemic and that's another thing too right we haven't even if we were able to go we never went any place because you know keeping her well so that she doesn't get COVID to get into the hospital yeah, to at least get something done. So otherwise, she's going to sit in the house again all summer again, and has to take a toll on, on. Like I've noticed the difference in in her attitude. You know, she's quiet. She doesn't engage because she's in constant pain, constant.
0: Yeah, how's that impacted? You mentioned her mental health being impacted. What what uh, what have you noticed in that regard?
3: Just that she's very quiet. Um, I, I I think it's just. Because she can't help. She can't do even the littlest daily things to contribute in the house, where before she could, you know, and she just can't. She can't walk at all. And it's getting worse and worse and worse. And by the time she gets that one done, then that's just screwed up the other one. So then probably that one would have to be be done. But who knows, because of her age, whether they'll do the other one. But this one has to be done.
0: Wow, that's really uh, it's hard to hear. And we know that many other people are in the same boat. Kathy, we wish you and your mom nothing but the best. And hopefully that date does come very soon. And the procedure is performed and it goes well. Appreciate the time today and good luck going forward.
3: Well, thank you very much for having me.
0: Thanks again to Kathy. And that is one of countless stories in a similar sense in terms of people waiting and wondering and living with the pain as they continue to deal with more and more postponements and delays.
1: You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML.
0: Fundraiser being held tonight at seven o'clock at the Westdale Theater in support for Ukraine and to raise funds for humanitarian efforts it's called hamilton helps ukraine a fundraiser to support the ukrainian humanitarian appeal elena lazar is the president of the ukrainian canada congress and joins us now on good morning hamilton elena good morning how are you good morning i'm great thank you talk about tonight's event what is going to be happening well, uh, doors open actually at 6 o'clock.
4: Uh, we are having our Canada 150 pop-up display. And that is um, something we did several years ago where uh, Hamiltonians, Ukrainians who came to Hamilton documented their journey and the life that they made in Hamilton. So we're displaying the Hamilton um, story. We are going to have uh, some musical interlude. We are going to show the film, the Rhea Kleiman story, and she is a Canadian uh, reporter in the 1930s that went to Ukraine and witnessed the Holodomor, that's death by famine, um, orchestrated by Stalin to kill Ukrainians. And then we are having our president of the Ukrainian Youth Association, uh, who has a master's in history, and she's going to um, give a historical context of a small history of Ukraine and how it relates to the current war and the whole of the war. So it um, is going to be a fun and a full evening.
0: Tickets are $20. You can get your tickets at thewestdale.ca. Do you have a fundraising goal in mind?
4: Well, we are donating all the funds from this process to the Canadian Ukraine Foundation, who are delivering humanitarian uh, supplies uh, directly in Ukraine. They've been there since 2014, and um, they know exactly where the aid is needed, and that's where uh, they deliver it. They target it there.
0: The president of the Ukrainian Youth Association is also going to speak tonight. How important is it for the youth in this community to raise their voice?
4: Well, it's important for the youth to understand the historical background. And um, uh, this whole event is in English so that everybody fully understands all the issues and there'll be opportunity to ask questions after. So it's important everybody knows... um, you know, what is happening
0: now why it's happening. Elena Lazar is our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Elena is the president of the Ukrainian Canada Congress, uh, the Westdale Theatre hosting. Uh, Hamilton Helps Ukraine, a fundraiser to support the Ukrainian Humanitarian Appeal. All the proceeds go to the Canada Ukraine Foundation. We're hearing new things every day about the war, which is now, by the way, 10 weeks old. Hard to believe. How are you and fellow Ukrainian Canadians coping? How are you holding up?
4: Well, we're, we're keeping busy. Uh, we are doing many things in the community. We're doing all kinds of fundraiser, all kinds of events. We're setting up to help uh, the displaced uh, Ukrainians come to Hamilton. Uh, we just had a wonderful event with the city of Hamilton and all our immigration uh, partners. Uh, we had a welcome to Hamilton day where everybody was there and all the displaced people can visit all the different stations and sign up for OHIP and sign up for driver's tests and sign up for English classes. It was a, a great um, a partnership and a great uh, success for Ham- Hamilton.
0: Are, are you confident that um, all Ukrainian refugees who come to Hamilton will find a place to stay?
4: Well, uh, that is the biggest challenge for everybody everywhere. Um, There really is not uh, much accommodation available. um, And the accommodation that is available is fairly expensive. Uh, Ukrainians are coming with a work visa. They're anxious to work, uh, to contribute. uh, But finding a place uh, that's affordable is a challenge.
0: Westdale Theatre hosting Hamilton Helps Ukraine, a fundraiser to support the Ukrainian humanitarian appeal. Doors open at 6 at Westdale Theatre tonight. The show begins at 7. Tickets are $20. You can get yours at thewestdale.ca and all the proceeds go to the Canada Ukraine Foundation. We know that Monday, May the 9th is Victory Day in Russia. Many people expect Russia to ramp up its war effort at that time. What's going through your mind?
4: Well, I know that the Ukrainian community throughout Ontario, uh, we actually have online sign-up day and uh, we are going to show up at all the overpasses from um, I think Ottawa right through to Niagara and wave our flags and encourage Ukraine to keep going you know, provide a moral support and let them know that we all stand with Ukraine and we're going to support them in any way we can. And that's how we're going to deal with. uh, I know the Russians here are organizing, having car rallies. So we're going to be there to wave our Ukrainian flags and say we stand with
0: Ukraine. That's a great show of support. Elena, good luck with the fundraiser tonight. And thanks for joining us once again. Thank you very much. That's Elena Lazar, President of the Ukrainian Canada Congress. Be at the Westdale Theatre tonight. Doors open at 6. The show begins at 7. Hamilton Helps Ukraine, a fundraiser to support the Ukrainian Humanitarian Appeal. Uh, Tickets are 20 bucks. All proceeds go to the Canada-Ukraine
1: Foundation. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML.
0: Each and every week during the election campaign, we are going to huddle up with one of the provincial party leaders ahead of the June 2nd vote. First up and joining us today is Mike Schreiner. He is the leader of the Ontario Green Party and joins us now. Mike, good morning. How are you? Hey, good morning. I'm fine.
5: It's a nice, bright, sunny morning here in Guelph.
0: Ipsos uh, did a poll for Global News before the writ dropped and it had health care, taxes, and the cost of living as the biggest election issues. What's the number one priority item for you?
5: Yeah, our number one priority is addressing the health affordability crisis. And that's exactly why the Ontario Greens put out what some have described as a masterclass plan in delivering the solutions to address housing affordability in the province. And uh, we've got a plan that one tackles rampant speculation in the housing market. So first time home buyers have a level playing field um, works with changing zoning options. So we can ramp up the supply of housing without paving over the farmland that feeds us and the wetlands that protect us from flooding. And finally, we have to have the government back involved in supporting co-op, nonprofit, permanent supportive housing so we can address um, more deeply affordable housing concerns that so many in our communities have right now.
0: You're going to be in Waterloo to make a major housing announcement. Is this something different than one you just mentioned or just a a, a, a reaffirmation of the plan that you have in place?
5: Yeah, we're going to continue to roll out details of the plan because we know it's a comprehensive and, and complex issue and there is no one thing that's going to solve the housing crisis it's going to require us having all three levels of government working together the public and private sector working together and our plan like i said has been described as a master class plan in delivering solutions and we're going to be rolling out the details of that plan throughout the campaign
0: i'm not sure the last time you were in hamilton but what have you been hearing from hamilton voters
5: yeah i was just in hamilton a couple of days ago uh to announce one component of our housing affordability strategy and that was to freeze urban boundaries so and I just wanted to come to Hamilton to make that announcement because obviously Hamilton was a, was a leader in the province and pushing back against the Ford government sprawl agenda and we're saying stop the sprawl no more long expensive soul-crushing commutes uh, that force families to drive so far away to even find an affordable place to live no more of these super sprawl highways that the Ford government wants to build That's going to ramp up climate pollution and make it harder for us to address the climate crisis, Uh, but it's also going to pave over the farmland that feeds us, the wetlands that protect us from flooding and clean our drinking water. We have a better plan that says we can increase housing supply within our existing urban boundaries. I want to compliment Hamilton for their leadership on that.
0: Mike Schreiner is our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Mike is the leader of the Ontario Green Party, who is fighting for your vote on June the 2nd. Mike, as you know, the abortion debate has uh, flared up again in the U.S. Naturally, it has spilled over the border here into Canada. Uh, What do you and the Green Party stand, or where do you and the Green Party stand on abortion here in Ontario?
5: Well, I just want to be very clear that women's reproductive rights uh, is health care, and we need to expand access uh, to abortion services, uh, particularly in rural and remote communities. And that's exactly what the Ontario Greens will do, uh, preserving the woman's right to choose.
0: Most election seat projections indicate that you're going to win your seats and, and only one seat uh, on June the 2nd. Whether that's the case or not, why haven't the Greens managed to earn more check marks on Election Day?
5: Oh, well, we're very excited going into this election that we're going to send a Green Caucus to Queen's Park. And we've seen in other provinces, electing that first seat leads to additional green seats. And we think that's exactly what's going to happen in Ontario. You know, we broke through, won our first seat in the 2018 election. Many Queen's Park observers have said, you know, we punch well above our weight in delivering the solutions to improve people's lives at Queen's Park. And so if we can get all that done with one Green MPP, imagine what we can do with a caucus of Green MPPs. And I'm really excited We have a a great group of uh, Hamilton candidates, including Sandy Crawley and Sean Chandra and Cassie Wiley and, and others who are going to put forward a strong platform for people in the Hamilton area to vote for strong climate action, to vote for solutions to address the housing affordability crisis and to ex- expand healthcare services including mental health services under ohip
0: there isn't one galvanizing issue in this campaign y- you might throw in healthcare or covid-19 or the affordability issue which are all important but it, not like what we saw in 2018 with you know the the electricity affordability issue does that make it easier for a party like yourselves to perhaps get a few more seats
5: well absolutely because we're putting forward a comprehensive set of solutions there's some old problems that the three old line parties have really failed to solve. I mean, the housing affordability crisis has been getting worse over the last two decades, and it's reached a breaking point, and we have to address it, and that's why I'm so proud of our competency plan to do that. I mean, the fact that um, Canada has one of the worst records when it comes to reducing climate pollution just shows you why we need green MPPs at Queen's Park to put forward a bold placti- practical plan to get the job done, and to do it in a way that sets ontario's economy up to be a global leader in the new climate economy that's where most of the world job growth is happening and we want to position ontario to create new and better job new career opportunities and better jobs for people
0: mike you got one more minute are you still having to convince voters that the green party is more than just an environmental party
5: oh no not at all i think you know our record at queens park speaks for itself that uh, you know we're leading the way on putting forward solutions to address housing affordability, we're leading the way uh, in expanding mental health care services and just reducing the wait times, particularly for youth uh, mental health services. You know, we've been fighting hard for frontline health care workers to get paid the wages they deserve. We're fighting against the four government's cuts to education because we need a strong public education system Uh, And so the Greens are leading on, on a whole variety of issues, and I think people want new solutions to old problems, and that's exactly what the Ontario Greens are delivering.
0: Mike Schreiner, leader of the Green Party of Ontario, thanks for joining us. Best of luck on the campaign trail.
1: Hey, my pleasure. Happy to be on anytime. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML.
0: Not too long ago, Ipsos did a poll exclusively for Global News that showcased and highlighted the top Ontario election issues. And at the top of the chart, you know, no surprise, health care at 31 percent, followed by things like handling of COVID-19, lower taxes and those day to day affordability issues like housing gas, food, and the like. Further down the list, economy and jobs, climate change, energy costs, social assistance programs, crime and public safety, public transit, indigenous issues, maintaining roads. Way at the bottom of the list at 7% were some other issues. And that is my guess as to where education ranks on the list of priority items. Because Anything above some other issues, there's no indication of education. What has happened to the education issue in our election campaigns? Joining us now to discuss this is Annie Kinner, the executive director with the People for Education. Good morning, Annie. How are you?
6: Uh, I'm fine now, but I, I'm fine, but now I'm depressed. Uh, <laughs> I know. <laughs> that's kind of, wow. Uh, I'm and, uh, depressed. Horrified, to so many other things. Um, yeah, because it's amazing considering, you know, what we've all been living through for the past more than two years, where education has been in the news, in the news, in the news, because of the pandemic, um, that somehow either people think, oh, good, problem solved, the pandemic's over, which it definitely isn't. Um, but that also education, you know, and I feel like we've failed as an organization then, too, because it's like, that we're we're not connecting the dots between what happens in in education and early childhood education and everything else. You know that this is the whole next generation we're educating here, uh, you know that there are huge cracks have been exposed in the education system over the last couple of years and it really matters to everybody. And there is this kind of sad <laughs> thing that people think it only really matters if you've got kids in school and then you don't have to care about it anymore. But It's a it's a huge part of driving our economy. It's a huge part of uh, driving, you know, a kind of prosperous society, an equitable society. And it's connected to to everything else. So, yeah, depressed that it's way down there at the at the bottom of the barrel.
0: Yeah. Aside from, you know, my initial reaction was what? like, did they miss something or did we miss something as a society? And I thought of two things. Number one. Um, people in this province are either satisfied with the education system and nothing needs to be improved, or they've totally forgotten about it. (laughs) I'm not sure which Um, one it is.
6: (laughs) Well, totally forgotten, probably, sadly, which is, is, you know, partly because... uh, What is it partly because? It's partly because in an election... Everybody's looking for sort of good black and white sound bitey kind of issues, and also you know maybe I'm just old and thinking this way. I think we've we've all become uh, sort of more selfish and so it's like, what's in it for me? So I care about you know obviously health care, you care because we've uh, also because we've just gone through a pandemic and it really rocked the healthcare care system, but it's you know then you know politicians, no matter of what political stripe spend a lot of time appealing to people saying, I'm going to, you know, I'm not going to raise your taxes, which is problematic because those are, that's our money that we use to collectively do things. So that it ends up being a kind of contest of who can appeal to the most people for the thing that they want. And then with education, it's only about, you know, 25% of the population who has kids in schools or who is connected directly to schools. So you can see in that kind of self-centered way why it might go down to the bottom of the list and then again to me it goes back to you know don't you understand that this makes a difference to all of us but obviously uh, no
0: yeah that, that is quite obvious annie kidder is our guest executive director with the people for education uh, you're listening to good morning hamilton on 900 chml what would you say are the major education issues that our leaders should be addressing
6: Well, one of them is hard because it's, you know, it's obviously too nebulous for an election, but it would be really great to hear from the political parties what their vision is going forward. So yes, there's a lot of work to do to kind of recover from the pandemic, but also we're living in a massively, rapidly changing world. Our education systems still work pretty well the same way they did when I was young and I'm incredibly old and, and we still have them. We saw during the pandemic huge cracks in the system, the, the deep inequities that were actually made worse in the pandemic. So to me, the two big questions are, what's your vision going forward for making sure that we're actually educating kids in the way they need to be educated for, you know, 2022 and 2050? Um, and what are you going to do about the fact that, you know, it, you you can't avoid that there are kids who are you know, disadvantaged by the way the system works who are not being served. So that would be number one. There there are funding issues, but it's not enough to just go, we're going to spend more or we're going to, you know, spend mythical amounts of money. It's understanding, you know, we survey all the principals in the province. One of their biggest issues was staffing. So how are you going to make sure there are enough staff? Do we need to change, you know, our sort of intake and recruitment of teachers? Is there going to be enough funding to, to pay for the, the staff that we need for the next coming years. I think that's one area. We are just releasing a report next week on de-streaming because we've started de-streaming in high school. It's It's been very badly implemented so far. So what are you going to do about that? There's a huge discussion still about online learning. Um, you know, how would any party uh, make sure that, you know, that we're not continuing with programs that really everybody say don't work so that there are there are concrete things, but they have to be within a vision for the future. It's not just I'll spend more, well I'll spend less. It's what is your plan for so maybe the biggest one should be will you appoint an education task force, which everybody's been asking for, directors of education and principals and us and school trustee associations, because the other thing principals say is there's no communication, there's no collaboration, you know, we don't feel as if people are really listening to us on the ground.
0: Well, all great points. Annie, really appreciate your time and your insight okay. on these big issues. Thanks for joining us. Okay. Thanks a lot, Rick. Annie Kitter is the executive director for the People for Education and uh, clearly identifying some uh, big gaps in uh, our education system that need to be addressed. We haven't, we haven't heard anything, anything about education in this election campaign. I know we're in the early going. But that that really caught me by surprise. Number one, the Ipsos poll. Number two, that hasn't been a mention from any of the political leaders about educating our kids, the future workers of this province.
1: You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML.
0: A leaked document shows the Supreme Court in the U.S. plans to overturn Roe v. Wade. Jennifer Reynolds is the CEO of Women Corporate Directors and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Jennifer, good morning good morning uh, your reaction to uh, what appears to be an impending decision later on this year from the US Supreme Court
7: yeah there, there really isn't words I mean shock and you know alarm it, it, it's just it, it really I can't believe we're having this discussion in 2022 I can't believe they're rolling back the clock decades and decades uh, on women's rights and on women's health because that's what this is really about it's it, it's very concerning, and it's the most at risk who are going to feel this in the most significant way, and that's the thing we need to think about. It's, this is a very serious issue, and it's alarming. It's happening in the U.S. It's concerning because we share a large border, and you certainly don't want that to leak across, so to speak.
0: Does your gut say that it might just, in fact, leak across this border?
7: I think it's possible. I, I think, Do you think that Canada, uh, the, this dialogue has been different um, around this particular topic? It's far more polarized in the U.S., but that's not to say that there aren't differing views, and it's not to say that if, if this is opened up in the way that it is opened up in the U.S., um, that it can be opened up against here. So we have to be vigilant. We, we have to make sure that we protect women's rights here and women's health.
0: Jennifer Reynolds is our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Jennifer is the CEO of Women Corporate Directors, a global network of 2,500 female corporate directors. Um, Talk about the ripple effects. How is this going to affect women in the U.S.?
7: Well, you know, it's a multitude of ways. When you take away a woman's control over her own body, that obviously has health implications. I mean, it, think about the, the reality is is people will still seek out abortion. Those with means will be able to travel uh, to to do that to places where they can get a safe abortion and take care of their their health. And those without means will will turn to other measures, uh, measures which are dangerous, quite frankly. Um, women are still going to seek out abortion and seek control of their own bodies uh, and 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 seek control of their rights. Um, But they're going to do it in dangerous ways, unfortunately. And so I do think that that women's health in in the U.S. is going to deteriorate significantly. I I think that just even think about the mental health of all of a sudden you, your rights have been taken away. Your your right over your own body has been taken away. That's significant. Women are going to be very alarmed and very concerned. And probably uh, that will have mental health repercussions as well as our physical health.
0: It seems like we're heading back into the dark ages and, or, or, you know, this is a bad dream that we can't wake out of. It's, uh, it's really sobering.
7: It really is. I, I, uh, you know, I feel like I woke up in some dystopian universe like a Margaret Atwood <laughs> book here. Um, it, it's just, it, I, I can't believe it. You know, you read the headlines in the morning and, and I think this can't be 2022. It's just we can't be having this discussion today. We can't be rolling back women's rights. And, and you know, the thing in the U.S. is, is be careful. This is the starting point. There is more to come.
0: Jennifer, appreciate your time this morning. Thanks for joining us. Thanks so much. That is Jennifer Reynolds, CEO of Women Corporate Directors, a global network of 2,500 female corporate directors weighing in on the abortion issues.
1: Thanks for listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. You can listen to the show live weekday mornings from 5.30 to 9 on 900CHML and online at 900CHML.com.
0: The Good Morning Hamilton podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. I'm Rick Samprin Thanks again for listening, and don't 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 forget to subscribe to the podcast. It's free, so you never miss an episode, and make sure you rate and review.